This is the Epilogue Audio Experience. If this is the first time you're listening to the Passion People podcast and you don't know how it works, let me break it down for you. We interview an individual who's making their passion manifest in a tangible way every fortnight. We do this to inspire and motivate people to listen to their hearts and to follow those dreams and endeavors that have been tugging at their hearts since for a long time. India being a country that is conservative not in not in any other way, right? It's con- it's conservative in the way that we are not encouraged to take risks. We are not encouraged to do outlandish crazy things. And that is what we are trying to change. We're trying to bring about this change by taking you, our listener, to the individual who's making this happen. So that you can look at these people, you can figure out that they're humans too, and blood runs through their veins too, and they face difficulties as well. But they persevered, and they made extraordinary things happen. All, well, not dying a little bit inside and keeping a part of their soul intact and more than that right and while touching the lives of other people and making extraordinary things happen because at the intersection of passion ability and monetization lies a beautiful thing and that's what we hope to help all of you guys find or get one step closer to finding Shika, so first off, uh, thank you so much for making time uh, for the podcast. My pleasure. So, uh, could you do like a brief intro about yourself? Okay. So, uh, I'm currently freelancing as a journalist. By qualification, I'm a chartered accountant. Uh, um, it was a pretty big switch. Uh-huh. Uh, I think CA, I just fell into it. Mm-hmm. I was really interested in economics in school. That led to commerce. In commerce, like my friends were doing CA, so I just came into CA. Mm-hmm. It wasn't very well thought out. Uh, studies wise I really found it challenging and it kept me going okay. so and I found a lot of CA syllabus being dynamic mm-hmm. and then when I came into internship again I know I knew tax laws were dynamic I knew there's a lot of things happening which you have to keep like, be on top of it right. uh, but slowly when I got more into the professional part of internship and the professional job uh, I started into started waning Okay. Uh, mostly because I thought at the end of the day I was servicing a corporate client and not doing more beyond that. What were you looking for when you say beyond that? I want larger society because that's where my interest in economics came from. Okay. Like uh, I think along the path, initially what got me into this was economics. Hmm. Economics led to commerce, which is a little more out of the societal angle. Commerce got me into CA, which is even more focused on the corporate side than the societal side. Ah, okay. So slowly it got filtered from economics to commerce to CA. Ah, so and then I got felt, watered down completely. Yeah. Ah. Uh, then I felt lost. Okay. Then I then I, I even now I think about economics because initially that's what got me into this and economics is larger. In a, in a smart way it'll help you help someone. Okay. So and even now I do pieces on finance. I did one about financial inclusion. Right. I interviewed someone from the World Bank. So economics is a smart way to deal with people's problems. And I still want to be in touch with that. Maybe I'll do a course one day. Maybe I don't. I'm still thinking about it. Mm-hmm. But I always want to be in touch with something larger, a larger audience. Mm-hmm. 
and being in the CA field, maybe you can still do it with CA, but I didn't find out how to do that. And it just made me feel restricted. Okay. And once I knew this is what I want to do, I quit and now I'm freelancing as a journalist. Okay. So, can you take us through, uh, maybe a good place to start would be, you know, kind of winding back the clock and uh, a lot of our influences come from, from our childhood. So, can you take us through a few of your childhood influences that, that have kind of brought you to where you are? I should always read a lot. Okay. So, in school it was like, Famous Five Secret Seven. That's that's where you pick up your reading habits. And then came Dan Brown. Then there was a bit of a twilight period also. Like I think, <laughs> I don't know. Even now I think that was a good thing. Oh. With, with I'm the not kind of <laughs> no, but I mean, yeah, at that time I actually enjoyed it. So there was Dan Brown and there was this. Uh, but my initial uh, job prospects, what I thought of after schooling, like immediately after tenth exams, was IFS. Okay. Indian Foreign Service. Oh. And I used to follow the news, not this much, but I used to follow it, like a little bit here and there. And IFS, I liked the appeal of it because of how global it was. And I liked the feel of being a diplomat, oh. represent, representing a country, doing something for that. Oh. But I don't know how that just fell out of my mind, like how economics fell out of my mind. And once I got streamlined into commerce, into CA, just all the other things just fell out. Okay. Uh, but yeah, childhood influences are obviously reading because even now I read a lot. Okay. At that time it was more lighter stuff, mm. but that habit I've continued even now. Like every day morning I read a book, like a novel. Wow. Novel or non-fiction, whatever. Mm. I've had this habit from I think maybe 7-8 years mm. now like rigorously that I can think of because mm. it's become part of my habit now. Mm. But this reading was from childhood, like high school what I picked up. Mm. And following the news was a little scattered and dispersed and a little bit what I used to hear from Breakfast NDTV. There was one show like Breakfast NDTV or something or Good Morning with him, something of that sort. And I used to just hear it when it was it used to be on. Writing was again one more thing because in school I still remember my English teacher saying, okay, you have a flair for writing. I remember that because I'd never heard the word flair before <laughs> and I still remember her telling me, okay, you have a flair for writing. Oh. But I don't know, as I... I grew up a little, these things, what I found a spark in just fell out of my head. Okay. And yeah, I was glad to have found it now. <laughs> That's nice. So, so uh, when you say you're an independent journalist or a freelance journalist, uh, can you take us through what, what all that job entails? And uh, also, what, how does it connect back to what your passion is? The, I, the reason I chose freelancing as a mode now is because I wanted to explore the field. Hmm. I've never worked as a journalist before this. I, I'd published a few articles before, uh, but I never explored what it means to be a journalist. And being a freelancer lets me be. It lets me go to any interviewee at any time of the day. It lets me approach any magazine. If it doesn't work for one, I can do it for the other. Like if one magazine doesn't want it for whatever reason, I can approach another one. And there's no editorial control over what I'm writing. Like no one allocates me a story saying this is the angle, this is the story. Give me like give this, me this many words by the end of the day. I don't have that. But more than that, I like figuring this out by being there, by actually doing something. Because I've seen the course side of it, the course structured uh, way into a job. Oh. Somehow it didn't really work. I mean, maybe, I maybe again, this is again me. I, maybe I didn't explore enough or whatever it is. 
but generally also i'm i'm a little more on the freer side where i like learning by do, by actually going there doing something and maybe i'll fall a little it's okay but freelancing is really letting me be okay so that's the reason i chose it oh. uh, how it works <laughs> like i was saying it's like you're interviewing every single time you have to do a story mm-hmm. it's like you're going you're for pitching. an interview yeah right If you think one job interview is grueling, imagine doing that each time you approach an editor uh-huh. saying, "Are you are you interested in this pitch? Would you be interested?" Hmm. Uh, but it's the freedom that comes with not having one set structure, with not having maybe you call that security, maybe you call that job security. Okay, one uh-huh. month I do this, I get. Uh, I don't care much about that. I because this. is really letting me filter down things to what i really want to do mm. even when i pick up a story it's after having read the story having researched having found an interest in it and then going ahead with writing it then approaching the editor i've gotten over the fear of approaching editors and saying okay will they be not fear as in i will still approach but what i used to feel is okay will they be interested or not i've mm. gotten over that those inhibitions are they went away i think after the first two stories which i was so interested in that i wanted to do uh. So I didn't care if it didn't work for one, but because I knew it would work for someone else, because I knew the story is good. Okay. That conviction I still have. Yeah. I, I, that's a bit of arrogance, also I think, because I know what I'm writing is good. Hmm. So if it doesn't work here, I'm sure there'll be space somewhere. So I've gotten over that. Hmm. But even with this, I have ultimately found editors who I really like now. Hmm. Like if you talk to editor, if you talk to journalists or even writers in general. They will tell you how important a relationship between an editor and the writer of the content is. It's not easy to find someone who you have a rapport with. Okay, forget rapport. Even someone who agrees with your point of view, or who re- someone who really questions. Hmm. Like constructively. The, yeah, constructively. Like the Guardian editor, he asked me, "Okay, are you personally convinced that this solution will work?" No one hmm. has asked me that. Hmm. So because of this process of approaching people, then finding out what they are like, whether it works or not, it's letting me filter down to. in every sense finding the right people to work with finding the right magazine like now i'm so glad i have some outlets which i know are independent okay so i've fitted down to that and i also fitted down to what really interests me what i want to write about so everything is so much more focused i can see things clearly now okay this is because of freelancing so because if i would have got okay 10 stories in this month you do it i would have never found what interests me I would have never found media houses would say, "Okay, which should stand up and say, 'Okay, we'll support you with this. Go ahead.'" I wouldn't have explored enough to find all of this. And even the time structure, it lets me be. Morning, I wake up at six six thirty. I can start writing then, or I can read my book in the morning. I can read the newspaper, and then I can start. If someone says, "I'm going to court today. Do you want to come with me?" I can just go. Mm. If someone says, "Okay, there's something happening there in the wildlife sanctuary. There are some JCBs there. Come with me. I'll show you. I can mm. just go." If I if I were with them. Media house, maybe they would have allowed me, but maybe not. Mm-hmm. And that will come with permission structures right. that I've not been able to deal with. <laughs> <laughs> so hierarchy and permissions don't work for me. I've I've seen this. Right. So this is ideal for me. But yeah, once I want to experience being in a newsroom, especially okay. during some critical time like elections, mm-hmm. just to see how it works. Maybe as a freelancer only. Okay. As like a tagging around. Uh, um, maybe when the elections come up, maybe I'll I'll see if I can work with the newsroom as in any capacity, like a stringer or even a tag along writer or anything. Hmm. 
but i want to be in a newsroom once when there's something very critical happening just to see how, because i've seen it on tv movies like how they run around yeah. because politicians are there campaigning something is happening here someone's crying yeah. <laughs> i want the intensity of a newsroom okay so maybe once i do something like that yeah. but just for the exposure of it but otherwise freelancing is ideal yeah. so on one side i guess it, it gives you the freedom and the and the uh, autonomy right to do to do whatever you want but on on the other side the Uh, the freedom or the lack of structure. So how do you keep? Uh, means that it, it's a it's a little bit more difficult for you to kind of keep yourself accountable. Whether like are you doing work or like are you just chilling late for a month? Right. So uh, is that uh, can you offer how how do you think about that? It all comes down to you doing what you want to do. If if that is intact, hmm. if you are actually honestly pursuing something that genuinely interests you. Do you genuinely want to do? You won't slack off. Obviously, the off time, like when we have lunch, we don't book that as idle time. When you have lunch, it's not idle time. It's you doing things that you have. You maybe you need to do in another sense. Right. So even when I take time off, maybe to go out with a few friends, it's it still would never eat away time from what I want to do. If I have to do a story that day, have to means self-imposed. Have to. Ah. Uh. that is always intact again it's if you work along those ideal lines of doing what you want to do hmm. uh, being accountable personally to yourself as to how you're managing your time comes very naturally okay uh, like today i i sent an email to an editor and the editor actually responded on a sunday this again an editor that i found that i really like to work with and i like this i like that he i sent him a mail on sunday and he responded on a sunday like saturday sunday after Six o'clock before nine o'clock doesn't matter at all. Mm. If you are ultimately doing what you want to do, because you will do it. And off time is just a little bit of off time here and there. But this is still a major portion of your life. Not not just what you want to do and all of that. Mm. This this has become so intertwined with your life that you wouldn't maybe like how you would get up, brush, take bath, right. food. It's part it's of, part of yeah. It's part it's part of your life. Like. It's work is not different now. Hmm. I don't see that. Okay. So when you have that, when you're working in that ideal mode, other things you will be accountable. You will do a story on a Sunday because you know you want to. Have and to not because anyone yeah. is telling you to. Yeah. Want to is you. You have yeah, have to is want to. <laughs> it's self-imposed. Right. So it's 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 a, it's a beautiful mode of working. Right. That I can, I can, I can totally see how it relates to you. And you've always been like that free-spirited uh, <laughs> individual. So I guess it, it's something that really works, uh, works well. So, uh, so you have two distinctions on this on this episode, right? So the first one is that you're the first Chandra content I'm interviewing for the podcast, and then uh, the second distinction is that uh, you're the first journalist that I'm interviewing for the podcast. So for the benefit of you know myself and and the listeners, can you? Can you walk us through uh, a what what a journalist really does, and b what's the difference between uh, an editor, a, a writer, and or maybe a correspondent, and you know give us a sense of how how you look at these things? Journalist for me is the fourth state, someone who can hold the ruling party uh, accountable, someone who can hold an organization accountable. It's just a watchdog. Okay. For anything, not just for the political power in the country, but mm-hmm. for generally things, whether they are working, 
Okay, so a journalist for me, someone who can assess what's going on around around themselves in any capacity. It can be you checking the power that the political party wields, or it can be you checking if an organization is doing what it says it's doing. So any public information, you can hold that accountable. Uh, for me, the main motivation to do this was uh, I want what I would do to be meaningful. And considering the climate that we are in, especially now, but even generally, um, there has to be someone who's independent, who doesn't have a stake in the game. So if an organization is saying, okay, this is my solution to this problem, maybe there's some things that are blind spots, which they just inherently cannot see. Maybe there's some misinformation that's being spread, even with political parties. There's only so much that an opposition can do because they have stake in the game. But whereas a journalist, doesn't have any of that. At least you shouldn't. Ethically, you shouldn't. Ethically, you should be someone who's independent, who can independently assess and say, okay, that thing that is public information that is affecting someone else, that's going wrong. So if something is uh, relevant for the public, I, I think that's how I assess information. What I can comment on, if that is public information and if it has, okay, not even just public information, if that has an impact on the public, if there's some proposal being thought about, it should have an impact on someone, but I know that's wrong. So if it ever impacts someone in the audience or if it is information available in the audience, I think it's my job to check, okay, how will that actually impact the person itself? Generally, it's the role of an independent third party. That's like, that's it. Okay. So because you don't have a stake anywhere, you can remove yourself from the situation and assess it. Objectively look at it. Yeah. Objectively also, but there is some heart in it. As this is one thing I initially struggled with. So I think everyone who wants to be a journalist should know this. Heart and mind. Okay. This is a conflict in life. It's a conflict in journalism also. So when you are writing a story, when you're interviewing, when you're writing, how much heart should there be? How much objectivity should there be? Uh, initially, I, I was confused because I used to do a lot of opinions before. So before I came into freelancing as a journalist full-time, I used to write my articles even as a CA, but not finance a little, but I used to still write. That time I used to do opinion pieces. Opinion pieces lets you write your opinion. It's not reporting. It's not you objectively reporting. This happened here. So with opinion pieces, there is bias because you are writing it as an opinion. It's your opinion. So I used to do a lot of that before. Uh, now, in the past few months, I have been doing reporting pieces. With reported pieces, you have to be all ears, all eyes, all the time. And here I learned how to separate heart and mind, heart and objectivity. Oh. So when I'm out there interviewing someone, I make sure I listen completely. I, I make sure I observe everything. There's no heart. I mean, I try to remove the heart from there. If the heart is there, there's some stake. Oh. Like if you like the person you're interviewing, if you like the work he's done previously. They'll think, okay, he's doing well, I'll just write this. There'll be a bias. There'll be some bias. So when you're interviewing, try to be as objective, as as third party-ish as possible. Just be an observer there when you're interviewing. When you're on the field, just be an observer. Oh. That's it. When you come back and write, put a little bit of heart. Because when you're editing, when you're writing, there I think heart, that some stories it's really required. Like, for example, I wrote a story about refugees and asylum seekers in the US, this, the Mexico border, whatever is happening, and the role that faith-based organizations play in this crisis. 
when you hear someone say this is what i went through to come here i'm seeking asylum because things back home are not good you need a bit of again when you're observing when you're interviewing just just observe don't be not it doesn't need to be very critical just generally observe see what they're saying see what the organization is saying when you come back and when that time you can get convinced that's where the convictions can build by being a full observer when you come back and when you think okay that's a story that can use a bit of heart some don't need heart if you're reporting about something not all stories require heart but some uh hardcore humanities topics they require heart like with this with this piece or maybe the animal birth control piece i did oh this is about the abc program animal birth control program in bangalore i saw photographs of dogs lying covered under some cars on the road with their intestines out how can you not have heart when you're writing the story oh. so when i interviewed i interviewed cuba i interviewed ngos i interviewed bbmp people at that time it was all eyes all ears but when i saw the photographs of the dogs lying on the street with their intestines out obviously your heart will go out but use that heart when you're writing oh. when you're so this is how you have to separate because uh as a journalist complete objectivity required when you're reporting when you're observing completely required but if you want to effect change i think that's again something that heart can do right so when i come back and when i write when i come back and edit that's when i think okay that's what i heard this is where it's going mm. that's the photo of the dog which is lying on the street it's almost dead So this is how I bring about change because that dog it shouldn't have died or it shouldn't have been in that place in the okay. in the first place. So heart and mind, this is a bit of a conflict which I think everyone, as a journalist or even in general in life, you'll face. Yeah. So as a journalist, this is how I've learned to deal with it. In life, I'm still figuring out. So let's <laughs> let's see. Uh, I think another important part, uh, the heart part of the thing, is that you have to you have to write if you're writing to influence public. change right or even writing to bring about uh, a positive impact on society it's also important that whatever we write is able to connect with some the readers hearts right yeah. so yeah when you have to connect with someone so now recently i read a piece on the caravan about uh, assam nrc case oh. so this muslim guy he wrote the piece your heart really goes out to him but it's so well written he he did a lot of research and report uh, not i don't know reporting but he did research he went to shelters where people are being held and he saw everything it's a purely reported piece but it's also a personal story for him and it's also a personal story for so many people yeah. now and he, when he wrote it this again a long form piece your heart really goes out to him i even sent him a mail saying i hope you find peace and happiness yeah. like i see this as a reader i was just reading that piece there i was just a reader I sent him an email. So even to connect, even to bring about change, even to connect with someone, there has to be a bit of heart. So it's wrong to say a journalist has to be independent, third party, neutral. Mm. Like when you're reporting war, you're seeing people dying. How can mm. there not be heart? You have to report. Okay, this side is doing this. This side is screwing up. All of that. But okay, that family got affected, right. or this soldier died. It's not his war. There yeah. has to be some heart in it. I'm learning to balance that out. one more thing as a journalist is integrity ethics integrity i think it's slowly fading away considering how generally media houses are struggling but that should never be an excuse for you to do a half baked story because you don't have resources to put in to do the full research 
or you shouldn't ever be a sellout and do just a fluff piece on okay i mean like you sh- that that shouldn't ever be there mm-hmm. some company hires you to do to go cover their project that it did in some ngo for who knows what reasons maybe it's good but you you work for the money of it because you're a struggling journalist no don't call yourself a journalist then call yourself an advertiser because that's because that's what you are seriously no you can still advertising no one's stopping you but because but if you call yourself if you have that tag of journalist just live up to that because that comes with some responsibility for an advertising company go ahead even there i still think you need ethics because you shouldn't endorse something which you're not fully convinced about personally right. but again if you're an ad agency you have different motivations you have different responsibilities maybe it's fine just be true to the tag you hold if you want to move from journalism to advertising because money is a problem for you completely fine with me don't call yourself a journalist and do just pieces or don't put up a story because someone commissioned you to do something and you did it without ever questioning will that work or not right and this can be sometimes a bit of a blind spot also maybe you only didn't think that wasn't right maybe you got so into the story that you didn't really think about it but at least like hopefully one day you will find that and one day you will think back maybe go back to the editor and say okay this i hadn't thought of then now i do ethics integrity are a big role like they can play a big role in your job and they should and honestly if you if you're a journalist who wants to effect change you cannot get there by doing half baked loft it's not only because it affects credibility it will change you over the course of time it will change you yeah once you go into motivations which are not truly journalistic it will change you yeah and you'll become just a puppet in someone else's hands if that's what you want to be again completely fine with me but yeah no journalist shouldn't ever do that because so much so many people read your story saying okay this is there in this newspaper this is there in this magazine this magazine has credibility hmm. and they'll believe you right you, know, you should never mislead and especially uh, in, uh, it's very what we are saying is extremely relevant in today's day and age when we we, uh, we read about election interference we read about fake news and we read about uh, these robots who are spreading propaganda and everything right? so it's really important that i get that uh, you know the people who are writing the content are influencing public opinion are extremely mindful of whatever the kind of power that they hold again like i think you should always know that what you're writing is out there in the public someone is reading it your job doesn't end with you publishing it that's a very short sighted approach okay i'm a journalist i wrote the story okay you wrote it but you know the person who is reading it you know what influence that has like always be mindful of your sources there's a lot more than just a journalist publishing a story something at the back end something that happened before the interviewing all of that something that will happen afterwards the your reader what they'll think just be mindful of the whole ecosystem around you as a journalist because it all has an impact right just you finding a story going to someone for comments publishing it that's a really cheap way of doing it just don't do that again just be convinced that what you're doing as a journalist just be convinced why you're doing it Keep, keep that if you keep that in mind all these things will eventually start playing a very big role maybe initially you won't figure it out but slowly you'll start to be mindful of the interviewee what their credentials are the readers what they think this is been it will build over time even i didn't know any of this when i wrote my first few stories i didn't know that things that come i didn't know as in you know generally aware. i didn't yeah i wasn't aware of what repercussions it can have the responsibility that comes with it 
but now i'm building into it slowly so you learn again it all comes down to if you really if you're doing what you really want to do this will all fall into place right because your motivations will always be right that will just guide you and this was that your point of you know like uh money changing you as a person yeah. right? like so if, if you're not motivated for the right reasons yeah. then it will speak uh, it will speak in the kind of work that you do as well that's a nice perspective uh, to have right i think uh, i always say that i am the biggest beneficiary of the podcast <laughs> it's because uh, you know i i get to interview and you know dissect people's minds in in, in a way and get to know uh, how how each of these things work but uh, for for a person or for any of our listeners who who would be interested in like hardcore journalism is is there a better way to get into journalism than ca Yeah, this is a bit of a <laughs> unconventional way. Yeah, again, journalism schools or the whatever works for you. Okay. Maybe if I knew that journalism is what I want to do from before, from school time, maybe I would have gone into Mission College of Journalism or some other journalism school. Okay. Or maybe I would have done media studies, mm-hmm. media and communication. Maybe that would have been my route if I knew what I know now. Maybe ten years back. Okay. Uh, this this somehow I'm so glad I found it. But this is this was the route how I found it. That's it is fine. like completely unconnected. Uh-huh. But otherwise, if you figure it out earlier in life, it's the best because you have so much more time into it. Right. You have like if someone got into it ten, twelve years ago now, like if I if someone I go, I went to school with got into journalism then, mm. and I'm getting getting into it now, they have those extra ten years or those extra fifteen years yeah, in journalism. Absolutely. That's obviously helpful. Uh-huh. But again, it's all what you make of it. Maybe those ten, fifteen years wouldn't have counted for anything if I, if I, if I wasn't the person I am now. If somehow things had led me somewhere else, oh. like even if I had picked up journalism, what if I would have come to see after that? Like right. again, it all depends on what you do with what you have. Right. Whatever more works the best for you, you can intern with a newspaper, you can intern with a magazine, hmm. even as a even freelancing. Okay. Like if you are not sure that journalism is what you want to do. You can pick it up as freelancing initially to just see where your interest lies. Okay. Start writing, start following the news, start pitching to magazines, hmm. and when you get into it, when you really get into it, you'll know. Okay, this is what I want to do. But how does one reach out to like a magazine editor? Okay, so finding email IDs of editors is pretty easy. Okay. Uh, masthead. You can go to a magazine's website. You can find the master. You find the staff there. Okay. Many international ones they have the email IDs, or they give you the format in which email ID is available, like initial dot last name at whatever. Oh, so for so everyone that that's they, yeah, some uh, some international ones they have it, or you'll have you'll find blanket email IDs. So like editor at this newspaper, editor at so that will go to everyone in the newsroom. Okay. That's a more blanket approach. Hmm. But even finding email IDs of editors is pretty easy. Sometimes hmm. newspapers, uh, when when an editor writes a column. Or when they do some story, the story will go along with their email IDs. Or even otherwise, when you just type their name into Google, it's easy to find the email IDs. And maybe when you're working with one editor, you can he'll say you can try pitching somewhere else because then that magazine will be interested. They'll even give you the email IDs. Okay. Like one, this has happened to me like once or twice. Then you approach. So pitching is not that big of a problem. Like once you get into it, it's. it's pretty and they're easy. approachable and they're they very talk to you and they. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think. My first, my first newspaper piece was in New Indian Express, in the editorial column, like the middle page editorial op-ed column. That's a very prestigious space in a newspaper. Yeah. I that time I remember I approached 
GS Vasu. I think Vasu is still the editor of Indian Express, but I'm not very sure. I found his email ID after an article which he had written for the magazine, I think that Sunday, in the Sunday magazine, the newspaper. So I found his email ID, I just sent him a mail saying, this is this is the idea I have, would you be interested? He replied, I think he replied within 20 minutes and I shouted, I'm, I was telling my mom, I hadn't even replied to him, I went and told my mom, GS Vasu replied. So then I sent him the article. It took a bit of time for publishing because with newspapers, there's space constraint. Right. Online, it's more easy. Easy mm-hmm. as in, it's more quick. Publication cycles happen like very quickly because there's no space constraint. Right. With newspapers, you have to wait a little bit unless it's a timely piece. Timely, they, even they would want to publish it right away. Right, right, right. So this piece took a bit of time. But we always think, okay, that editor is such a big person, editor-in-chief, he's unapproachable. How will I ever approach him? No. Like, just remove all of those things which... You thought, okay, that person is there. Why would he ever respond to me? All inhibitions, just keep it aside. Keep actually throw it out <laughs> and just shamelessly approach. Okay. Because I just sent him a mail directly. I told him, look, this is what I have. Would you be interested? Fantastic. And even with the wire, I sent a mail directly to Siddharth Radharajan. He's one of the founding editors. I actually at that time I didn't know how big his stature was. Maybe that <laughs> let me. <laughs> but later I I saw the pieces he had done. I saw how independent the piece is. Mm-hmm. Even otherwise, even if you know him fully, you know he's won some big award, just go to him. Oh. If he is who he is, if he is independent, if you are a good journalist, you can always come together. Well, maybe not for this piece, maybe for the next piece. But if you know you have a good story, if you know that they are right for this, just go ahead. Don't inhibitions out, just go ahead. I think and it's you, a nice way of approaching uh, things. Yeah. And I can also draw a corollary to like everything that we do, right? right? Like we we burden ourselves with so yeah. much. Uh, what would they think? Mm-hmm. So much of what would they think, and so much of you know, what if I fail? Yeah. And yeah. you know, but kind of having this approach, uh, like where where you're just more action oriented, I, mm-hmm. I think really helps kind of you know yeah. take that edge off. And I think because we live in a space where we are, there's, where there's so much exposure. Mm-hmm. This person is doing this. This startup got twenty billion. It can be a little overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Or if you see another journalist in some war space somewhere writing for some newspaper, you will think, okay, that work is done by that newspaper. Maybe this story wouldn't interest them. But maybe your piece is as relevant to another sphere. So don't get overwhelmed by another good story, another success. That just that's a good story. Like just leave it at that. Mm. It shouldn't overwhelm you. Or shouldn't compare it with what we have. Yeah, yeah. Comparing Again, comparing, I have a very inherent problem with it. It's always good to look up. Mm-hmm. I have so many people, so many stories that I look up to. Like when I see caravan long form stories, or it reminds me of New Yorker. Mm-hmm. New Yorker does Harvey Weinstein long form stories. I admire it's, uh, but it's never comparative. I don't know how to exactly put this. I've had that problem with this for so long now. Like someone else's successor. I don't know whether I don't think that way. Or I don't know if other people function differently. Mm. Another journalist's good story, it doesn't instill that competitive thing in my head. Okay. Uh, I don't know how, if, if, if it just works differently, I'm not sure. Mm. That makes me feel nice that that story is out there. Uh, like recently the one I read on uh, Karaman about Assam in RC. It made me reach out to the person, maybe I don't know if he's an editor or if he's just a writer who did a one-time piece. Or if he's some big journalist. But it made me feel so nice reading that and it never became a competitive thing. But there are always some things I look I look up to. It's always been a little... This is how I think of it and I, I know it's wrong to impose this on someone else. But I think it's uh, it's very easy to... If you're like this. 
It doesn't, Everyone, it doesn't weigh you down. Yeah, it never weighs you down. Someone else's success. Okay, if you are a startup, if someone else has a startup, if they get 20 million, no, just leave that. That's mm-hmm. good for them. Focus or, on your stuff. Yeah, focus on your thing. Focus on what you want to do. Or mm-hmm. if there's a takeaway for you there, okay, that journalist did that, that startup did that. How can, what can I do? <laughs> no ripping off, but <laughs> like, what, what can I build? What can I do? What motivations did they have? Right. It's, like, competitive, I know, I... I'm told it's a good thing, but I've never. I, I don't know. I, I don't know how that works. Right, right. So, uh, as we move to uh, the the end of the episode, we do the, like a rapid fire. Uh, <laughs> oh my around. God! <laughs> so uh, you just have to let me know the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. When when I say these things, home. Mom. <laughs> Food. Mom and grandma. <laughs> Journalism. Responsibility. Passion. Journalism. <laughs> I, oh, and travel. I love travel. Two things. <laughs> okay. And uh, freedom. Something you desperately need. I have. I want. Okay, we're done with the rapid fire. So. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I took time on the last question. <laughs> That's okay. fine. But uh, the, another thing that we typically do is we ask uh, what people's favorite books are. So what would what would your uh, favorite books be, or the ones that had like the the most amount of influence on on you? Okay, uh, so I li- I love traveling. Like this came to mind now when you are doing the rapid fire. Uh, there's one author called Thoreau. Mm. Lo- I've read a lot of travel books by him, but it's not very it's not the general travel books. Uh, it's a bit of journalistic. It's he goes to places, he interviews people. If there's some political something happening, he. He'll write about that also. You did something similar too, right? In, in Dubai when you were there. Oh, yeah, 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 uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that was nice to do, uh, yeah. So, when you're just traveling and you'll hear some things. Obviously, if you keep your ears open, you'll obviously hear something. This I did even in China when I was there. I was just traveling and I met someone on the train who spoke to me about the Chinese Communist Party. All of that. So, with traveling, it's not a... You just hear things. It's not a directed, focused interview. I'll interview you. You just hear. And everything is different around you. So, you're more... Eyes open, ears open. So Paul Thoreau does a lot of these travel books where he's really on the ground. He's talking to people. Some are lighter. Many stories are light. It's just him traveling. But some have something political in them, something geopolitical in them. Like he was in some um, Middle Eastern countries also. He was in Kyrgyzstan, Uzbekistan. So he just travels and he notices things and he writes about it. This one book, it's had a bit of an impact on me. What's it called? Uh, I mean, Paul Thoreau, you can just check out the author's books. There are many books. Okay. You can check out all of his books, actually. They're really good. Uh, one more, which speaks to the free mind, like free spirit thing is On the Road, Jack Kerouac. It's a little bit of a crazy book. Uh-huh. Uh, it's just about people aimlessly traveling. Uh-huh. There are a bit of, uh, what can I say? It's it's If you read this in your early 20s or 1920, big impact on you. Uh-huh. And it's not a lazy, chilling kind. It's just traveling, being open to experiences. There are some very crude bits also. But mm. when you're 19, 20, you'll fully enjoy it. Okay. Now when I look back on the book, I don't know what I'll think. Okay. Uh, but that had a big impact on me on how to be just free, just traveling. The book is called On the Road. I think you, everyone should check out that book. Okay. Uh, personally, one book which I think is number one for me for various reasons, not just the book, is uh, uh, Gerald Durrell, Corfu Trilogy. Okay. So it's about his childhood on an island. So I learned about passion here. Learned about as maybe passively because now when I think about it, I relate it to passion. Mm. So he spent his childhood on those Corfo, the Greek islands. Corfo. Okay. So he spent his childhood there and that's when he interacted with animals. Mm. 
the plant species. And Gerald Dwyer went on to like this shaped his entire life, his childhood in those islands. And they really sweet stories about childhood on that island. Obviously, mm-hmm. he wrote it later on, but when I when I was reading it, I read it like a kid. Yeah. Was then writing. Yeah, it takes you back. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it, it it's a yeah it's, it's legit like three books. Mm-hmm. I think if you really want to know like simple passion, you should mm-hmm. you can just check this out. Okay. Great. Yeah, three books. Nice. So. Uh, in in closing garishika uh, so how how does it feel to be on the passion people podcast oh really nice is the first time i am interviewing i'm being interviewed they <laughs> <laughs> are always on the other side yeah i'm always on the other side i've never i never knew what it was to be on this side uh-huh. uh, it, it's really nice to be able to talk <laughs> so because until now because i'm still going into journalism mm-hmm. when i go on interviews i just listen because i don't know much about the mm-hmm. things i know a little bit mm-hmm. but it's always the interviewee who talks i i just listen I don't know much. I'm there to just learn. Right. So my interviews, I feel, if you, if you, I'll send you a clip of my interviews, and uh, maybe I'll, I would have spoken like maybe few words here and there, maybe one or two questions. That's it. It's not a directed interview. Right. So I don't talk that much. So here it's nice. I get to talk so much. Fantastic. And this is something that I know that I can talk about. So this was really nice. Thank you for interviewing me. Thank you for making time and for the wonderful conversation. Thank you. I'd like to thank. Shankar from the Writer and Geek Show for creating our beautiful jingle that you are listening to currently. Audio platforms Storio, Castbox, and Savan for featuring us. Audio Boom for hosting us. Bharat Ganesh for his graphics design. Saif Omar and Vishnu from the Musafir Stories and the Writer and Geek Show for their inputs and insights that have made our episode better today. This is Naga signing off. Until next time.